You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. In the dynamic world of enterprise security, identity architects and IT leaders face a major challenge. Growth by repeated acquisitions multiplies the complexity of everything. Multiple IDPs, MFA providers, policy engines that all need to coexist. This can lead to fragmented user identities and policies that create security vulnerabilities and add access friction. Strata Identity solves this. Now you can decommission unneeded IDPs and consolidate the ones you'd like to keep without rewriting apps or disrupting users, engineers, and app owners. Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using identity orchestration. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io slash cyberwire. My name is Joe Kerrigan. I am a senior security engineer with the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute and the Institute for Assured Autonomy. I don't know that I had any such recollection of what I wanted to do. I was kind of aimless. I did... In 1981, I think my dad got a, an Osborne computer and I was like, this is great. I enjoy playing with this and writing code. And I actually taught myself how to write basic on that. And it was a lot of fun to play with. But shortly after that, as computers progressed on, my father maintained that, that Osborne and worked on that Osborne well into the 90s before he got himself a new computer. So I didn't have any other computing experiences growing up around, around the house. When I saw somebody, uh, the first IBM-compatible computers, I I had absolutely no idea what I was looking at because I had never seen a DOS operating system. At that point in time, I had made what I describe as a life mistake of (laughs) getting involved in high school theater. I I probably shouldn't have done that because I thought that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. When I went to college, I quickly figured out that's not what I wanted to do. I took a class, an introduction to computer science course, which actually had absolutely nothing to do with computer science. It was how to be a user of a computer. And it was a terrible course. I I straight up got an F in that course. But the funny thing is, shortly after that, I got a job working in the computer lab with a, a guy that would actually become my first IT mentor. But I actually got on to the computer labs and started learning the Unix like operating system that ran the deck and learning how to work my way around a Windows system and an Apple system. And I said, this is really cool. But it never really clicked with me that this is what I should do. So I stuck with the mass comm thing, completely believing that I was going to be some kind of radio guy. And I don't know if you know what happened in the radio business around that time. Even as I was graduating college, I should have seen the writing on the wall. But the entire industry has been commoditized into one homogeneous mass of maybe three or four companies that now own the entire spectrum across the nation. 
a company like Clear Channel starts gobbling up all the radio stations. Which I think is kind of unfortunate, but it is what happens. Uh, they can outbid a lot of small, smaller uh, outlets. That means that if you want to be a DJ, you can't go to a small market startup and, and work your way up the chain. So I gave up on that dream and I went into uh, what I thought was going to be great. It was going to be sales. Now, I'm a very technical person, which means I, I probably suck at sales. And I do. I am terrible at sales. I couldn't sell a lifesaver to a drowning man, essentially, is just a way to put it. I started realizing that and actually about the same time as my employer started realizing that because the end of my sales career went down just like this. I walked into my office with my two weeks notice in hand and there sitting at my desk is my replacement. After that, I went to a job in at a local defense contractor. At this point in time, I didn't know what I was going to do. And it all changed one day when I was driving home and... I get to the metro station in Shady Grove and there's some guy looking for a ride because he's missed the last shuttle bus that goes from Shady Grove up to the park and ride. As I'm riding up there with him, he says, do you have any technical capabilities? I'm like, well, I, I used to work in a computer lab in college and I taught myself how to program when I was uh, 12. And he goes, you know what you should do is you should get into tech right now. Get into some kind of, some kind of IT, either administration or software development. Do something to get into the tech field and do that now. My wife looks at me and she says, that's what I've been telling you to do for the past three years. I found a, a school, a local school here. It was uh, University of Maryland, University College. It's now University of Maryland Global Campus. They had a second bachelor's program. So I, I started on that to get a degree in computer and information science, which was like a computer science degree, but without the math requirement because I didn't think I was good at math. Once I got the the first class under my belt, it was a netware administration class. If anybody's listening and they remember netware, they've been in the business for a very long time. Um, I got a, a job doing netware administration and, and tech support and help desk. And that was my first job into the field. After that, I moved up to a, a new position where I was actually like a junior programmer because I wanted to do more programming went back into the defense contractor I had previously left, but came back in at this time as a programmer, not a software engineer, and spent time there developing my skills and actually went on to get a master's in computer science. I was working with, with this team and we had a Hopkins professor who had some work for us to do for his company. So when I went looking for a new job, I actually wound up taking a job with Hopkins. And that's where I've been since. And because I had worked with Avi before, Avi Rubin, so I came in here and Avi was kind enough to say, yeah, Joe's a good guy. He knows what he's doing. One of my biggest concerns is I'm really concerned about the cybersecurity practices of the average person and how their, what we call cyber hygiene, when they don't practice good cyber hygiene, what kind of risk that puts them at. I'm working on now a survey for assessing the level of that risk for residents of Maryland. There has to be some kind of education to the public about these kind of scams. People get taken in by them all the time. And I talk about them on Hacking Humans. 
the losses to the individual can be devastating. We often talk about losses to companies in the millions of dollars, and that can be bad too. But when you hear the story about somebody who's struggling to get by and they've gotten hit by an employment scam and now they can't pay their rent, that's heartbreaking. Or when you hear the story of the the elderly person who got hooked into a romance scam and has lost literally all of their money, we hear that frequently. It's terrible. What happens and how do we stop that from happening? I think public education is the way to go about doing that. I deal with uh, a lot of overwhelmingly sad information sometimes. I'm actually pretty good at emotionally detaching from things, from situations. Maybe too good at it. Sometimes, though, it does kind of get me down. And I find that friends and family are a good way to help with that. You know, staying focused is good. Remembering what's important in life. You know, the analogy of the old rocks in the jar. Which, What are your big rocks? You put those in the jar first. Build a network. Everybody you work with is a connection in your network. And you will have no better group of people to work with down the road when it comes time for you to make a move or for you to go looking for somebody to fill a position in your organization. Uh, I looked back. I actually did the math on this one time. I I was wondering how many times, because I was at one point in time during a job search, I was getting call after call after call from recruiters, uh, third-party recruiters. And I I started thinking, how effective are third-party recruiters and how effective is my network at getting me a position. And I went all the way back to my first job at Chuck E. Cheese back when I was 14 years old, making pizzas and dressing as a mouse to entertain children. That's probably the worst job I ever had. And it turns out just over two thirds of them came from my network. And one third of them came from recruiters. These people in your network know what your strengths and your weaknesses are already. Do your best to demonstrate your worth to people that you think will be in your network for the long haul and build relationships with people. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. 